0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the microcast and microcosm community call. This call was recorded live on Friday, October 14th. On this week's call, we dive into how to respond to training setbacks. As athletes, it's important to accept the inevitability of facing training challenges and setbacks throughout the process. From overuse to serious injuries to dealing with challenges in life that affect training, acknowledging that you will face challenges and setbacks in your athletic journey is incredibly powerful. Throughout this call, our coaches draw on both personal setbacks and hypothetical scenarios to give you all important tools and perspectives that you can carry through into your training. Hope you enjoy this episode. And as usual, if you have any feedback, a question for a future call, or looking for support in your running journey, please visit us on the web at microcosm-coaching.com or contact us at microcosmcoaching at gmail.com. Being a successful athlete is all about how you respond to training setbacks. Um, yeah, I myself am involved in a pretty serious training setback at the moment. I'm not going to talk about that setback today, though, because I don't know how I'm getting out of it yet. Um, <laughs> so we'll, next year when we do this call, maybe I'll use that example. Um, but uh, the, I, I like you're in- already
1: like, well, I'm in the setback now, but I guarantee there'll be a good, cause I think like so often when we have an athlete and like, I've felt this myself, like I'm not above this. I also am a human with a a brain, but like people can really catastrophize. Like I remember like when I had my really bad tendonitis last year, I was like, this is it, my career is over. And my coach was like, that don't, no, you don't, you have zero data to support that. You need to go to PT and you take care of a couple things. You need to gather some more information, but catastrophizing is really, really counterproductive and actually can be a way to get for people might give themselves an out to avoid the vulnerable hard work that it takes to heal and
0: recover from things. I mean, I think it's really the job of an athlete to have that positive perspective and to yeah, sit in the setback for as long as it takes to, to find your way back to performing at your best and competing at your best. I know that for me, like, there's no question about it. There's not even uh, a moment of hesitation. Like, I'm just going through a big setback and I'm going out there, I'm doing what I can. And I think, um, you know, that's really the key. And that's why, you know, if you're willing to do that, you're going to see big gains on the other side of that setback. Um, you know, if your inclination is to give up in things, and unfortunately, as coaches, we all see that quite often and athlete who has their first setback, you know, they're struggling. Okay, I'm going to quit. And this call is all about working through the hard thing, leaning into those challenges and, you know, really accepting that those challenges are inherent in this process the process doesn't exist without them. Um, if you think that it's just going to be a linear journey, um, unfortunately you're going to be in for some rude awakenings. Um, I know that, you know, for some athletes, the setbacks are, yeah, they're, they're fewer than with other athletes or there's a lot more time in between them. And that's all fine. Everybody's journey is, is very individual and unique to them. Um, but Setbacks are always going to happen. Um, and so, one, you know, we just want to start the call off by normalizing that and just saying, like, this is a part of the process. Um, it's a bumpy road for everyone. Yeah, it really for is. For absolutely everyone. It really is. Yeah. I mean, I can talk about numerous examples from my athletic career. Uh, I can talk about Zoe. She can talk about her own. Anyways, we want to give you guys some examples of some setbacks and some examples of how to work through them on this call. Um, yeah, I suppose I'll, uh, I'll start with with one that I went through um, and then we'll just kind of go down the line with the other coaches. Um, if something comes to mind for you guys, feel free to use that chat box and just join in on the, on the conversation. Um, anyways, I think my most significant training setback um occurred over basically over two years from 2018 to 2020 um, and I was dealing with consistent side spurs um either during my workouts or during my races and I could not really figure out at all what the pattern there to to why those side spurs were occurring but I I would consider this for myself a, a setback because they it really derailed a lot of my races um unfortunately I can remember some times where I was literally on the side of the trail not able to breathe cramping horribly um really just struggling and and in those events like being in a great position um like podium contention and just being totally the whole process being derailed and it really being um, almost getting to the point where there's like some anxiety around it. Like, I don't know, I'm going to go out there and try to race my best today, but at some point I'm going to have side spurs and I don't know if I'm going to work through it or if I'm going to have to walk for half an hour. Um, and that's really tough. Um, so, you know, my approach to dealing with that was uh, it was a multi-pronged approach because I had no idea what was causing it. Um, I started out trying to do some like stretches for my abdominal area and those really didn't do a whole lot. Then I did some breathing exercises that maybe kind of helped. Um, but I think like the biggest thing that helped was like, finally, um, maybe after about struggling with this for a year, finally going to see a really great PT in my area. And she really helped to address some issues that she felt were were causing the the side spurs. And, um, you know, what it came down to is some old scar tissue, maybe uh, from a surgery that I'd had when I was younger. And, um, you know, really like had to put a lot of resources into that, like time and financial resources. She wasn't a very cheap PT to go to. Um, but I made the investment in my health and, and in the future of, of my athletic career. Um, and I did the work, you know, it wasn't just going in to get treatment and her kind of manipulating the fascia and going deep. It was, you know, really taking that work home with me and having to practice like and work on it on my own as well. Um, the other piece to this that probably helped a lot was working on my nutrition, too. Because we felt like there was probably an electrolyte piece, um, you know, as electrolyte magnesium is an important part of the electrolyte group. And if you're not getting enough electrolytes when you race, it can cause cramping. So that may have been taking an area in my body that was already predisposed to having an issue um, and making it worse, exasperating the issue. So, I have like consistently worked on those things over several years and finally gotten to the point where um, I can basically raise and do really hard workouts without having any issues at all. Um, It took me a while to get there. I, yeah, personally, I'm very happy and proud of myself for doing that work. Um, I would still be where I was before if I hadn't just addressed these issues with the PT If I hadn't talked about this stuff with Kylie, done the sweat test, like all of these things um, tend to be interconnected, right? And for me, there is also like a performance anxiety piece that was developing. So on the mental side of training, going into a race or a tough workout, not knowing if I was going to cramp and it was going to derail, like if I was almost like pre-conditioned to like not do my best, not reach my potential because of this issue... And so I used a lot of uh, visualization as a way to work through that performance anxiety. And I spent a lot of time in the week before my race carving out 30 minutes or so a day to just close my eyes, lie down and run through the race in my mind over and over again and really see myself kind of like Running well, breathing really well, staying relaxed, um, and just performing the way, you know, in the, in the outcome that I wanted, which was to have a strong performance without the cramping. Um, and I would also, on the other side of that, really visualize how I would respond if I was going to cramp out there and if I was going to have those side spurs um, and just doing little things like taking in more sodium doubling down on my electrolytes and things like that. And so I would be kind of pre-programmed before I'd even go into the race to do those things. And it has helped so much. Um, Yeah, I think 2021 was like my first season where I basically had zero cramping um, at all during my races. And I had a really excellent season. So um, it's all worked out even though when you're in the moment you're not sure what's going to happen you're not sure if it's going to work out but you're just kind of doing your best to problem solve and bringing in as many experts into the equation as you can i think that's super super important cool well i hope that little uh monologue or whatever was helpful illustration was helpful for you guys um and just to especially to normalize just some of the things that we go through like training setbacks don't have to be, you know, uh, a stress fracture or some motivational thing. It can be like just dealing with like a persistent nagging side spur, like I was dealing with. Um, yeah. Let me let me move on. I wanna I wanna bring Sarah on now because she's fresh off of crushing a hundred miler. This is her, I believe, it's her second hundred miler she has been working through the training process for over a thousand days in her training log and that be one thousand yeah like that's huge we always talk about like these benchmarks in training they tend to happen like around that 500 day mark um and then again like double down on that thousand day mark here we go sarah with uh with a really awesome accomplishment um and she definitely worked through a lot of challenges and so She's got some a great story for us.
2: Yeah. So um, the race did. You but know, I finished. Mic's really... not on.
0: Oh, it's it
2: says it's on. Can you not hear me? You can hear me.
0: Got you. Yeah, I was. Muted oh, okay.
2: right. <laughs> 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 We're just talking <laughs> on a it. silent computer. <laughs> um, so I'm really proud of this finish um so my other 100 mile finish I um I did not have any setbacks on the day I had like a really just great easy day and um everything went really well and I was proud of that because it was my first 100 miler and everything but I'm like way more proud I think of this last week because it was so hard (laughs) I had so many setbacks from really early on um so the Pacific Northwest uh I envisioned as chilly and um kind of like fall weather and um I have a really dialed nutrition plan here in Colorado that has served me well for like really maybe like 15 months at this point it's very dialed I feel really confident with it uh I was not taking into account the heat and humidity of the Pacific Northwest and uh I was in a hole by 22 miles, sweating and I don't sweat and losing a lot of electrolytes. So I was dehydrated, struggling to eat early, starting to puke by mile 45. So my nutrition plan, which, you know, keeps me moving, uh, was totally thrown out. And I ended up having to spend a lot of time sitting in aid stations. And so I'm watching the clock tick by, I'm watching people pass me. And I know like this is not the race that I thought I was gonna be running that day. Um, And it was hard to not feel some loss with that. And, but when I did, I was like struggling. I was like not in a good place. I was really struggling. And my crew was like, hey, like, okay. So you're not gonna like have a top finish but we're going to finish this race and like, we're going to make this work. And so we just problem solved. And every time I came to the aid station, I just got as many calories as I could let myself digest and then just hit until I could get to the next aid station, do the same thing. Like can't eat while I'm moving fine. We can still eat. I'm still getting calories. And so it was reframing, not giving up because I wasn't, you know, going to have a strong day. I was feeling like when my ego is getting in the way, that's when I was having a low moment. And when I was like, this isn't what I want. This is hard. This is, you know, all of that. And then when I was like, no, this is, this is the race. Like when I was able to be present, um, you know, I was really uh, able to turn things around. And then I did get some tendonitis, which like really impacted the final 25 miles and that sort of thing of like, um, you know, is this like, Zoe was saying, is my whole like, I'm, I'm ruining my foot and I'm going to finish this race and not be able to walk. And like, this is it, you know, I was like really in the emotional brain, sort of telling myself a whole story about my foot. This is plantar fasciitis and, you know, what am I doing? And my crew again, was able to sort of be my thinking brain and just say, I'm just taking an aid station at a time. You know, this is one race, one day, this isn't a permanent injury and we'll figure it out when we get through. And so. Um, you know, just by having somebody help keep me out of that emotional space and give me like a bigger picture, you know, yes, this hurts right now. And, but like, let's pull back and look at the big picture. Um, that was really helpful. So I ended up being able to finish. I was the last person to finish under cutoffs. They let a few people finish past cutoffs. Um, so yeah, I feel really proud about like not letting those setbacks, you know, I told myself a lot of silly stories out there. And I could have listened to those stories and given up like pretty easily. Um, But by changing the story I was telling myself and changing my expectation and like being more flexible with the outcome and focusing on those process-oriented goals, I was able to get the finish.
0: Wow, wow, what a story. I mean, that's just incredible. I can totally relate. That kind of feels like my CCC experience. I'm just I
2: thought of you many times out there, (laughs) TJ. I really did. Like that helped. Like I I was pulling from your strength. I was like, TJ was struggling from the beginning. Like, I got 20 miles in. Like, I can do this if he could do this, you know.
0: Good, good work. I mean, that's that's awesome. I'm curious if maybe some like of your past challenges and things that you've worked through I don't know kind of gave you some strength out there or maybe even like subconsciously helped kind of pull you through I mean in the in our shared document here you talked a lot about you know coming back from pregnancy and and motherhood as some of your yeah toughest biggest setbacks and like moments of transition in your in your running career, I mean, just talk about that for a minute. Did did any of that? I don't know. Maybe a la- give you some of the tools that helped you work through this.
2: Yeah, I mean, so I think um, you know, a lot of times we think about setbacks of training as like surprise injuries, um, and um, or like a body thing. Like you know, I I hurt something. I figured out how to heal it. And then I move forward, or I figured out the combination of things to make me feel better. And then I move forward. And with becoming a parent, you know, whether, I mean, yes, there are definitely physical things. If you know, you, um, birth a baby, carry a baby, but like just becoming a parent, your whole schedule shifts, your identity shifts, um, there you have very little control of your life <laughs> um, and you do have to do a lot of that problem solving and what can I get in where and you have to be flexible with outcomes and you have to um, you have to you know like okay you know sort of how I was the same way that was like aid station to aid station last weekend um, you know just get to this next part I mean really when you have new kids, um, it's like you run on the days you can run, you accept the week in front of you, the training as it unfolds, you don't have expectations about what it is. And if you have those expectations, you're going to be disappointed. And that with those sorts of lessons, like when I was out there, like with these expectations about how my race was going, then I was disappointed. And when I was able to say no, I'm just going to let things unfold. So I really do think that piece like that flexibility um, and that that process oriented and like present moment focus um, were things that I really drew from from that transition to parenthood.
0: And I I definitely think that those are tools that athletes need to constantly be trying to develop because without that flexibility and without the ability to, to, you know, be flexible with expectations specifically, it can be very easy to feel become uh, disenfranchised to feel very disappointed. I mean, we see this all the freaking time as coaches. I, you know, sometimes I just get blue in the face because I'm like, all right, here we are as coaches. We're trying to like normalize these things and help athletes you know, become successful. And like, part of that is, is like understanding that, like, we need to control our expectations. Like if my expectation is like, I'm going to to boot and rally, and then all of a sudden be crushing my miles. Like, is that an, a good expectation to have? Because like, if you don't meet that after like, you're able to get some food in aid station, you're just going to feel awful mentally on that next segment of trail. And so something that I've always at least tried for myself is to really come into a race with or or into a setback with an infinite mindset and just to to try to embrace how everything's going to unfold naturally and i i do i wish i had more words for that because i feel like it sounds hippy dippy to just be like just embrace how this unfolds and try to be in the present moment and respond and use your process oriented goals because like when we have an expectation for how this is gonna feel or how the setback is gonna go, it becomes difficult to deal with the inevitability of that like not going as planned. And so as coaches, we're always like, try not to be, try not to be so rigid, try to be more flexible, try to, to lower your expectations. Not because like, I don't think you're capable of getting through the setback, but because in case the setback doesn't, you know, you don't work through it in a linear way, you're going to be more equipped because disappointment is really hard to deal with in the moment because of the things that you mentioned, the ego and all those things that you mentioned earlier and what you are saying, Sarah. Um, so, you know, like you almost have to live these experiences many, many times yourself. And it's like almost no coaching can really like help an athlete. Like you just have to go through it and go through it again and like be willing to go through it. And then you develop like, almost, it's not like a thick skin to it, but you just develop like an understanding that like, yes, I can find light at the end of that tunnel.
1: Um, I got advice from Courtney DeWalter about running hundreds, but I think it's also just good life advice. And she said, the key is to just be curious about what's on the other side of the discomfort. And I think that just like having an open, like maybe you will boot and rally, maybe you'll just keep booting and the rally doesn't come, but like you owe it to yourself to find out what, what that is. Right. And I think that's, you know, the same thing with like life setbacks is like, you know, you owe it to yourself to be curious and find out like what's on the other side of like a professional setback of a personal setback, a relationship setback, whatever it is, just stay, stay curious with it and don't stop looking for that other side.
0: Totally. Yeah. I love that f- kind of like the forward moving, mentality that almost exists there for people who have recognized that life is full of trials and ebb and flow and you know it's just like yeah I'm going through it it really freaking sucks but you know like it's not going to last forever I'm you know I'm acknowledging that I'm going through it and I'm going to continue to try to you know do everything I can each day to be in a better place tomorrow and whether I am or not you know I accept that and like Eventually, you know, I think especially in ultras, like if you run enough ultras, you know, like you can feel profoundly awful for a large period of time and then all of a sudden be feeling great. And it's like so crazy and weird about the sport. Um, but that's just kind of what happens. And like the athletes who are able to kind of just sit in it like you did, Sarah, are the ones who are able to like find the light at the end of the tunnel. It's like almost using the setback as kind of a motivation um rather than a referendum on like i'm not good enough and like all of these things that can sometimes get into our heads
1: i'm i'm curious can i get a show of hands from the coaches who has ever felt like i'll never be the same runner again like who's ever had a setback where they're like i'll never be the same <laughs> unanimous
0: Just, yeah. yeah for for the
1: for the Many listeners times. at home that's a 100% hand raise from all the coaches yeah so just you're not you're not alone.
0: Yeah, let's uh, let's hear from another coach. Um, Kristen, I feel like your your story here is is pretty intense, and I think it can really help athletes who are kind of dealing with, yeah, some of the more mental and life stuff and how that can affect the training um, Yeah. Would you would you like to dive into your example?
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. So for me, my, um, a lot of my setbacks are up up until recently with my back injury, my setbacks had been mental and emotional. So if anything stressful happened, anything that would like trigger my anxiety running was always the first thing to go out the window. And so before COVID happened, sorry, Avalanche wants to be involved. Um, before COVID happened, uh, everything was great, was, you know, on a really fun path with training. Um, and about, it was right when I got back from uh, New Zealand after Tarawara, uh, my dad had had his second heart attack within, you know, a few month period, which was really scary. Um, my dad and I are really close. Um... And I was living in Boulder at the time. So I couldn't be there physically to help. I felt, you know, super helpless, didn't know what to do. You know, driving back and forth wasn't really an option. And the world was also shutting down. (laughs) So I wanted to be as close to my family as possible. Um, And honestly, within a week, I packed up everything my entire life in boulder i didn't i didn't even get to say goodbye to a lot of people that i wanted to say goodbye to and i moved back to south dakota to be close to my my parents and my dad as this was happening um and what i didn't realize was the amount of stress and anxiety from being in boulder was like quadrupled now that I was like with my parents every day. And I love my parents. I love my family, but there's just a lot that goes into that. Um, You know, and like working through some of the medical stuff with my dad and watching him have to take, I don't know, 40 different pills a day just to stay alive was like the emotional impact like that it had on me and watching this and like you know understanding like the futility of life and what's really important and in a lot of scenarios i think normally i would have used running as an outlet to decompress or to sort of sort through things but i started using running as an outlet that became like almost harmful um where i was crying through my runs i felt selfish i felt like it was like mentally it was the lowest point i've ever been in um And so for me, I had to take a step back from running, like I I had to dial it in, I had to like reprioritize and just be present with my family in and out of hospital, like in and out of surgery, like then my dad got COVID. So it was like all of this stuff was happening and I had no idea how to address it. Um, so yeah, running setback, you know, like probably the biggest running setback of my life. Um. And what I learned from that was like, you know, step one, get a therapist. <laughs> that was super duper helpful. Um, just being able to talk about these fears, anxieties, worries, the the unknowns um, was really important to have, you know, like an objective outside perspective. Um, the other thing, too, was that like even though I wasn't running, I was still so psyched for all of my friends and co-coaches and training partners who were, who were running and doing these really amazing things and having these breakthroughs. And I, I felt like I was missing out. So I had a lot of FOMO happening because I wasn't in Colorado anymore. Um, and I wasn't running for the time being. Uh, and so for me, the, um, the social media aspect was really hard as well. So I either, I came to a point where either I needed to shut it down or just be okay with everything that was happening. And at the time I wasn't ready to do that. So I I don't know if any of you guys followed me, probably not, but like I shut my entire account down. I deleted Strava. I deleted Instagram. I got off. The only reason I didn't get off Facebook was because of the microcosm community because I like needed it. Um, so there were, there were different things that I did, um, to help in that situation, but, you know, then the more help that I got, the more I talked to like my friends and my therapist, uh, the better I felt. And I was able to like go for a run and not feel selfish for not being right next to my dad the whole time. Um, I was able to like get back into a consistent training routine where five miles didn't feel like 15, Um, and so I was just, I was really patient with myself. I journaled a lot. Um, you know, I did a self-compassion workbook in like that six month span. I've probably done that workbook twice now, like since COVID started. So I think just like learning how to be patient and understanding that like running is something we get to do. It's not something that we have to do. And we are actively choosing to do this because we enjoy it. Um, like we're not curing cancer, you know, we're doing a lot of really amazing things. Um, I think just like, I was, I was kind of forced to take myself a lot less seriously as an athlete, as a runner, um, within that setback, but it also made me appreciate the process and the people and the actual act of running so much more than I had before. Cause so I think you get into you know, a mindset where you're like, none of this matters, but like, it really does. And it is really important to feel a sense of connection and belonging. And um yeah, I'm, <laughs> I feel great now. Um, it's been a, it's been a process. Um, And, you know, sometimes there are, there are triggers and phone calls that I have with my parents. Now we don't live in South Dakota anymore, but yeah, so you know, celebrating the small things, um, being present when you can. You know, like TJ said, like be here now. I remind myself of that like all the time. <laughs> um, so I think, I think this all does tie back to the process of running because running is a microcosm for life, and the way I was able to sort of transition out of that like very stressful. Time and then kind of just like push forward and like be able to train for OCC and like make it to the start line, make it to the finish line. Those were huge moments for me because of everything that's happened in the last two years. um And like, you know, I, I think during the really hard parts of this process for me, I had to keep reminding myself that like you matter, your priority, like your goals matter. And the most important promises we make are the ones that we make to ourselves. And so like, I was really emotional at, at UTMB because I had just like fulfilled this promise that I had worked so hard to bite despite setback after setback after setback. Um, and I was just like super grateful for like sticking with the process because it matters.
0: <laughs> wow. Kristen, thank you for, for sharing all of that. I think. Like we be. <laughs> it's. Yeah, I know that it's hard for you to talk about, um, but I think it is really important for just our community, our athletes, other listeners out there to kind of hear about this stuff because when things happen in life, they really do affect our training and how we perceive our place in the sport, Um, especially for, you know, lifelong athlete like yourself. It can be very difficult when, um, you know, you have a moment where life stuff is really taking the priority and like, you're not able to access your, um, you know, your outlets in the same way, or they're not giving you the same thing. And something that really resonated with me was like, when you mentioned, you know, a, f- a five mile run feeling like 15. And I think a lot of athletes can really relate to having that as part of their story at one time or another. I mean, I certainly can have gone through that many, many times. Um, And I just think that your approach and the tips that you offered, you know, are just really excellent. I think that they, um, you know, universally can be applied in so many different areas. Um, You should be so proud of yourself for, you know, working through that. And, um, you know, we're you know, we're really grateful to have you with us to be able to share something like that. There was a follow-up question in the in the chat box about whether or not you mentioned what you're going through to your coach and if they helped you adapt the training plan during that time.
3: Um, that was a little tricky <laughs> um, because sometimes, Sometimes I would ebb and flow, where I, I would tell my coach, I'm fine. Everything's great, because I thought I was. And I would go out for a run, I'd go out for my third run of the week, and I'd realize, like, I'd start having a panic attack or an anxiety attack, and I'd be like, I can't do this, this, I'm never going to be the runner I was, and the whole thing fell apart, like it'd start to spiral, um so I was very uh communicative with my with my coach about those thoughts um and it kind of got to the point where it was like hey we either need to take a step away or you need to focus on consistency um and that was a little harsh <laughs> Uh, at the time, for me, And I ended up taking a step back and just saying, "I need, you know, I need to focus on this right now." And, you know, he was amazing. He was so helpful with everything, got like helped me find a therapist, made sure it was the right therapist for me. Um, and then checked in of like two or three times a week, which was which was awesome. Like, I felt genuinely cared for. I felt um, I felt supported. And I think that that was, you know, as as a friend, as a coach, like, Everything David did for me was just like unexpected, but not at the same time, like he coached me through running and through life and like, what more can you ask for? He was amazing.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Um, you know, coaches aren't therapists, but we're great supporters.
1: I've I've definitely helped a couple athletes find a therapist. Like, yeah, and that's a boundary that I'm always really clear with. As soon as someone's asking me for more emotional resources that I can ethically give, like that's when I'm like, you know what, I don't have the answer for this, but I do have, you know, I can work with. Like I've, you know, I've even been tapped into Sarah to help people find um therapists that were in their network and that were trained in their like what specific area they needed and that's something that you know I've done before and I will do it again because I really believe in people building out out their team
0: totally and I think back to that flexibility thing Kristen where you mentioned like okay we came to the decision that like it was best for me to like step back from training for a little while maybe to give yourself some emotional space what you know maybe to stop making running a referendum on who you are. Just a few things that maybe I've gathered from listening to you, but I think that that's really important. And like stepping back can be like going for as long as it feels good. Like if it's a 30 minute run and that's all that feels good, we can build on that. And so your training only looks like good training within the context of what's going on in your life. If you continue to try to run 15 miles when, you know, five miles already feels like enough, that can really create a discontentment with the process. And like what you mentioned, right, Kristen, like this is all about just having fun. Like if you're not enjoying the training, you're you're not going to reach your goals or you won't reach them consistently. You're going to get burned out. I mean, this is just the facts. This is what the research suggests. This is like how do we become resilient and work through these challenges? Like we need to prioritize what feels fun. We need to align our, our training lives with the goals that we have. Like we need to make sure that things are in balance. And like although I don't believe it's possible to have perfect balance, it is worth while to try to pursue balance in the way that it works for you and your life. Uh, And that sounds like to me, Kristen, that like you, you know, you found your way to that point and that's so important. That's why you're still, you know, here. That's how you got to OCC and we're able to run that and everything. Um, You know, sometimes when we take a small step back and it could be like a shift in volume or, you know, maybe like taking a week to just run off the clock. Like that's something I like to do with my athletes. just like, all right, do what feels good for a week. See how you feel after that. Or like, run without your watch for a week, see how you feel after that, or take three days off, see how you feel after that. Um, and it's so important like, to communicate that with your coach. I, I really like that you didn't um, you know, necessarily like you had some serious external things going on. Um, you recognized how they were affecting your training. And then you kind of like problem solved and figured out a way to work with those challenges and you mentioned specifically in your notes like leaning into what you were feeling rather than ignoring it awesome yeah
3: that was huge that was you know just being like this is how I feel this is how my body feels in response to this emotion and just like being curious about it and seeing like what else came up so I feel like the last two three years have been like my first hundred miler. (laughs) Yeah. Just problem solving, problem solving, problem solving. So yeah, it's, it's worth it. Definitely. Therapy is amazing. Um, Lean into what you're feeling and also just like trust the process.
0: Absolutely. I mean, trusting the process is fundamental, not don't turn away from the people that are, have been there supporting you all along. Um, bring them in to the conversation they know you best that training history that cumulative mutual time that you spent together is really powerful in tough moments you know that's yeah. the time think, to check in more
3: yeah the other thing I would say too that I forgot I wrote in the notes is um, get involved with your community um, volunteer you know help out go crew go pay like if you can't pace but like Go do something with your with your friends who are doing these epic things you know like if if you have a friend doing an fkt and you want to like even just go spectate just be there just be you know be at an aid station mark a course sweep a course do you know i think just getting yourself re-established in the community um, is really important and i think volunteering by doing that is a really good way to get back and to also be involved at the same time
0: awesome absolutely all right, let's uh, let's hear from Coach Drew. He wants to talk about posterior tendonitis, a really common running injury. Drew, take it yeah, away.
4: So I uh, I like this one because I've had more frequent um, I-, I guess uh, interactions with uh, athletes having issues with uh, post tib issues. But really, you can insert any type of injury um, that I know we all have you know issues with. Um, not all of us have had to deal with like pregnancy or, or parenthood, right? I I know that I do. I really, what Sarah said earlier, really resonated with me and I'm actually going to text her after this is over so I could talk to her more about it. But, um, there, I guess injuries per se, um, something that all of us are going to have issues with at one time or another. Um, just wanted to kind of, I guess, talk a little bit about, uh, when it happens, right? So uh, whether it's a a post-Tib thing or IT band syndrome or a stress fracture or whatever, um, it's really, I guess, easy for athletes to um, overreact, right? You panic, you're like, I can't run right now. And so all this work I've been doing for, for what could be weeks or months or years, right? Um, is just all down the drain. And so you get this like negative downward spiral of, of emotions and thoughts um, that are really not conducive to, um, I guess, helping you get better. So um, that, that negative energy just really brings you down, not just like from a physical standpoint, but just that mental standpoint as well. And then it just all you know, goes to shit from there. So, um, some things that that when you get hurt, even if you're not hurt right now, when you get hurt, because it will happen, unfortunately, um, it's uh, it's baby steps, right? The first thing is we need to diagnose what's wrong with you. So going to see, uh, I'm a big, big fan of my local physical therapist here in Northwest Arkansas. They're awesome. Um, if you haven't established a relationship with a really good, um, sports specific, uh, uh, healthcare professional, for me, it's the physical therapist for you. It might be something different. Um, but, but establishing a relationship with someone that that can know you right it's not like you're gonna go see your physical therapist one time and then never go see him again right establishing a really good relationship where you guys can communicate um effective and efficiently um someone that you trust that's able to diagnose what's going on so you kind of know how to proceed moving forward um there are several times where someone will say like man my ankle really hurts i'm kind of limping and i i need you as a coach to tell me what I'm supposed to do. It's like, we don't know what's wrong with your ankle. Like I I can't diagnose it virtually. Right. So going to see someone find out what's wrong. So you know how to proceed. Um, any exercises that you end up doing at a physical therapist? I know this is probably super, um, cliche at this point to say, but all of the, the exercises and work that you get at a, at a, pro like the physical therapist or things that you should be doing at home as well um i don't know a single physical therapist that just treats you there and say well don't do anything but come back to me in a few days and we'll do the same stuff it's like they give you homework they should give you papers and documents or or links to videos that show you exactly what you should be doing how often um and really being dedicated to that um and so uh uh really uh once you get all that stuff, trying to communicate that with your coach. Um, and oftentimes I, I know that I've seen TJ do this before, which is really awesome. I'm sure the other coaches as well, uh, but asking athlete, is it okay if I communicate with your physical therapist? I know that I do that with my athletes. Um, sometimes it's just easier if we can in, like bring someone in to like your training to kind of get a better idea of, of the progress to continue. Um, and even when you're not running, say you end up taking like a week off or two weeks off or whatever the thing is say you break your foot and you're six to eight weeks off uh, during that time. Um, it's not like, well, we're going to pause your log and then we're not going to communicate for eight weeks. No, like, like. Aside from rest days, really any day that say you're not running, but you're cross training or you're having to do your stretches or your physical therapy routine, like I want to hear about it. I want to know what you're doing to at least, if anything, hold you accountable, right, to make sure that you're you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, because I want you healthy, because that's kind of our job too, right? keep you healthy, get you healthy, um, and then uh, accomplish big goals um and, and so really communication still a big part of it um what i like to tell people too is really when you're in the midst of an injury too really trying not to think so far forward had so many athletes that might have a say let's a marathon on their training program that's like maybe 3 months away or 4 months away they end up having an intense pain that needs to be diagnosed and handled uh, but they're unable to run for a few weeks they're like well crossing that marathon off my calendar. It's like, no, 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 no. What we're doing here, we're ignoring everything past this one week. This one week, let's create a plan, Let's stick to it and really get nitty-gritty for this one seven-day period. And then every week, we just look at you know the next week. And then we get that done, and the next week, we, we really break it up, right? Looking so far forward, months ahead of time is a complete waste of time, and it's a really easy way to kind of get down about the process. Um, I, I Aside from a broken bone, really, there's not a ton of injuries that would have you off for so long where where you couldn't you know still uh toe the line at the race that you've been training for and and hell even if you broke something that's still like sure you might not podium but still getting there healthy and feeling good and motivated and confident are still things that you can do after um after taking a little bit of time off um And so I don't know. That's, that's kind of what I was thinking with like injury stuff. I know that other coaches, I'm missing things. Other coaches can kind of help me along, but
1: I, I I think you really, Oh, are we muted? no. No, we're not. I'm talking great. Uh, Drew, I think that was such good. And the thing that I wanted to emphasize that Drew was talking about was have a relationship with a PT as a coach. It's always really challenging when I have an athlete that an injury pops up and then they drag their feet reaching out to the PT and then they're like, well, I can't get an appointment for two weeks. A lot of times I'm not going to feel comfortable assigning you anything other than rest or maybe easy X training without an expert looking at you, working with you, getting their hands on you and prescribing what level of activity is appropriate for your injury. So you know, I, I know that like everyone's circumstances and connection to healthcare um, is, is gonna be different, but if you can do anything for your running, it's establish a relationship with the PT so that you can like, it's not, you don't have to find a new healthcare practitioner and you don't have to explain things and it's, you don't have to wait weeks and weeks and weeks to get in like TJ and I both have a PT. Um, we share a PT, it's very romantic. They, he's always asking me how P, uh, TJ is doing. Um, and like, we can text this guy, we can get in that week, you know, like having someone and like, I know that like not every, but find a place in your area that will provide you that level of service. Because if it takes you weeks and weeks to get in every time something comes up, that's not an appropriate level of care for athletes at the level that are training with microcosm. <clears throat> um, I, I just can't emphasize that enough that having a relationship with a PT is just totally critical for for an athletic life.
0: Yeah. And just to expand a little bit more on some of the great tips that Drew had, the communication piece, even if you're going to be taking some days off resting, uh, working through a stress fracture, whatever it is, um, you know, if, if you reach out to me about that, I'm going to say, Hey, you're not, we're not pausing coaching. Like we're checking in five days a week. Yeah. Because... An injury is not a get out of coaching free card, no, by the like, way, stick with it. Like you, It's so important to have that support and accountability the uh, like to be able to have someone who can mirror back to you what you're feeling uh, to be able to just, you know, you can externalize some of the frustration and the doubt that goes into dealing with an injury. I think that, you know, if you take the communication piece out of it and you want to go like it's a huge mistake just straight up it's one of the biggest mistakes you can make at that time, you want to bring your supporters in. you want to keep them close. When you're going through a challenging moment you don't want to push them away you know that's why we have to follow up with the pt something that always gets me is athletes who get diagnosed with an injury but then never follow up to get cleared after that injury bring the process full circle very important your coach can only coach you and give you a plan based on the information that you provide so if you don't bring it full circle Yes, I've been cleared to run. I saw my PT. I went to my sports doc. He gave me an MRI. My ankle is healed. Whatever it is, bring it full circle because without that, we are just guessing. And we don't want to guess. We want to use science. We want actionable information to give you the best possible plan forward. Another thing that I really like with what Drew said is like, don't freak out about your upcoming race. Like a lot of like those outcomes are determined about with are determined in how you actually like perceive that injury setback. If you think, if your perception is like, this is going to take me out for six months, you're probably going to be out for longer than you think. But if you really dedicate yourself to that rest, do it right. And say like, you know, I can get through this and you have that positive mindset. It will help you deal with the stress of the situation better. So Drew, awesome tips. Um, Kylie, Kylie, I really want like in our last 10 minutes or so here to hear from you, because you've dealt with some pretty serious setbacks in the past. One, you know, requiring like a pretty serious surgery. Um, And I thought maybe your perspective, just piggybacking on what Drew is mentioning could be really helpful for athletes.
5: Yeah, and I think, um, so context, I had foot surgery back in 2017. And it was kind of a freak like trail injury, um, where I tore the tendon under my big toe. Um, and I really tried to do conservative treatment, uh, cause I wanted to try and avoid surgery, which ended up, that was three months and then it didn't heal. And then I still had to get surgery. So the entire process ended up being like year, a year plus. So, um, I think it was really important what you guys were saying with, um, you know, I, I stuck with David as my coach, uh, the entire time. And for me, that was actually like really motivating to kind of like have that person, um, just to kind of vent to, or like, um, you know, what do you think I should do for cross training, et cetera. Um, and I actually have two athletes Um, right now, I only coach 10 athletes, but two of them are going through, like, I have a hip surgery and another, I forget, foot surgery, I believe, or something, Um, and those are pretty serious things, you know, and and it's not maybe just a, like, three-month recovery process, and so um, you might have to shift your perspective a little bit, Um, and I'm trying to be Really supportive of those people. And um, it, because of my own experience that I went through, and I know that it can be really hard. But I kind of like what Drew was saying too about just, you know, focusing on what you can do, communicating with your coach, um, you know, looking forward to like <laughs> brighter days and like working through that injury and then kind of like, you know, wanting to continue to get out there. And I, for me, I had some setbacks too with, um, some imbalances due to that surgery. And so it took, it's taken me a couple of years and I'm still like working through some of that stuff. And for me, I like, I had to go through like multiple PTs, trying to find like a a good strength coach. Um, and so, you know, just trying to be patient with some of those things. And then the other thing for me was like running has always been a huge, huge part of my life and to the point where it was like my entire identity (laughs) and so like trying to figure out like what can I also do outside of running to like I like uh, Kristen's recommendation of like volunteering or staying connected but at the same time like you know doing agility with my dog or like doing some other things too that make me happy and trying to kind of balance that with the the run training and stuff and then that recovery process etc so um I feel like I don't necessarily have new ideas that weren't mentioned uh but just wanting to maybe reiterate some of the things that other coaches said and and also um you know that little piece about uh maybe just like having some other hobbies and things that you can can do at the same time while you're going through that recovery process, etc.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm a huge proponent of everybody having other activities and creative pursuits that they get to enjoy alongside of running and work and being parents and like, yeah, life needs to be full of all of that stuff. Um, and it's especially important when you're going through an injury. Um, so you know, thank you for you know, just kind of mentioning that again, I actually don't think we talked about hobbies um, on the call yet. And so that's that's really um, just such an important thing. I, I can't let you know, whether you, you know, I work with like an opera singer and another vocalist and another lady, she's in the choir and like all of these cool things. And like- people, Singers
1: make a banger endurance. Yeah, like
0: people who paint and like enjoy arts and creative pursuits, you know, they can, they have things to do when running. And I think that right now, let me just say, like, if you're running and training, you're going to eventually get injured. Like you're eventually going to have a motivational setback. Something is going to happen. If it doesn't like I'm thinking maybe we could up the level of training a little bit. Like this stuff is really inevitable. And so having a tool set, prepared and ready for when this stuff does happen really helps i'm wondering kylie like you mentioned in here that it helped you to change your perspective on running in competition and if you could give like an example of that um or how you did that or what that encompassed i think that'd be really great for the athletes
5: um i think the main thing i meant there is that maybe similar to Kristen too i've always been like so focused on like performance and maybe not appreciative of, you know, the experience and kind of getting to that finish line and like being part of this community and like appreciating, like actually being able to be out there and push myself. And so, um, you know, going through that injury process, recovery process, and then now like just, I just have a different perspective on any time that I get to race like I'm lucky to be racing, you know, so like my perspective is shifted a little bit in that sense.
0: Awesome yeah I think that's just having like in that gratitude and appreciation for what we're doing that it's not a given is really valuable. I mean, that was something that also, you know, you have in common with what Kristen mentioned, just like, Oh, my, my OCC finish wasn't just about like finishing OCC. It was about like all of these other things that I've had to overcome to get here. And that's, you know, we mentioned that week in and week out in the rad weekend updates. It's like, we could write stories about everything our athletes have gone through to get to that finish line. And that finish line doesn't just represent like the fact that they you know, started at this one place and then finished like a pre-designed course and a, and a race and an organized event, it really represents like all of these other experiences, trials, the highs, the lows, like this times in the middle that kind of like really gives that whole thing meaning. And like as runners, we get the opportunity to assign whatever meaning to what we're doing that we want like meaning isn't like the trail has no meaning it's only a trail like we decide like what that feels like for us we decide like that we like that we decide that like this means something and what that thing means and so we have like i think there's so much power in that and like you get to be flexible and change and like this is why i'm always like okay well when we're going through a hard time like what's our why like what do we value and like having purpose and meaning, you know, those are things that we get to manufacture and they can change based on what our present experience is, whether or not we're going through an injury or we're having trouble with motivation or, you know, like all of those things are within your control. Um, And that is really, really powerful. And that's something that I've seen universally be discussed in a roundabout way throughout the entire conversation. You know, I changed my perspective on what running meant and what competition meant for me. You know, I changed my perspective around what I could do with running at the time based on my other life circumstance. You know, like all of that stuff is super powerful. It gives you an advantage over your situation that you might not otherwise have if you're not aware of that. Like, I love, Zoe and I talked about this a lot on our run yesterday. Like the trail is just the trail. The trail has no inherent meaning other than it's a trail. Somebody built it and they built it for you to go out there and enjoy in your own way. And like that is the coolest thing about the sport. It's the same with, you know, if you're running on the roads, Um, we get that opportunity. So thank you. Thanks for sharing, Kylie. I'm not sure if you, if that brought anything to mine for you.
5: No, no, that, that was great. <laughs> You're just summarized again. Good, a good ending note, I feel like.
0: All right. Well maybe we'll we'll edit this. <laughs> uh, in conclusion,
1: nothing matters and the only meaning exists in what you create. Have a great Friday.
0: <laughs> I'm going to create some of my own meaning out there on the trails this weekend for however long I can run for. Um Thanks, everybody. I know this is a uh, can be a challenging topic. I hope that just in hearing some of the stories from the other coaches who, you know, we're I don't want to put coaches on pedestals. We're humans. Um, we go through. Well, but all that's the why same we're things. good
1: coaches. Well, is that
0: like we little... can't
1: bring anything to the table that we're going to be like, uh oh, and the... as a perfect, unflawed being, this is too much for me. We're like, yeah, been there, done that, seen it a million times. We got this.
0: You're, you're I think it's just important to recognize that you know we're coaches because we're a little bit further along in our journey than most of the athletes that we coach and so having that perspective is really helpful for our athletes that's why we can have calls like this and provide you know actionable feedback so that people can react to these situations um, or actually we don't want to react Kristen thanks for putting that in the chat we don't want to react to this like we want to respond. Um, and that, you know, gives us a lot of power in how we deal with the setbacks. Um, well, thank you guys. Next week, we're going to touch a little bit on the motivation side of setbacks as well as kind of go through uh, our classic rapid fire Friday. So hope to uh, see you guys there. If not, you can listen on the pod or check us out on YouTube. Have an awesome weekend. Thanks coaches. You guys did a great job. Bye.